Oh. 
never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, never stop working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
Lord, for your promise. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And we do choose to fix our eyes on you and to keep our trust and commitment purely in you. And we thank you that you will order every step and you will shield us every moment and you will supply every need. And with that, all God's people said, Let's give the Lord a praise and a clap and a thanksgiving. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. You know, the prophetic word reminded us to keep our focus on the Lord. And let me explain why that is so important. There, there's a phrase, and I, I'm the, what prophet it was is escaping me right now. But they, they heal the hurt of my people, probably Jeremiah, partially. Partially, partially. 
And many times people look to Jesus in time of crisis. They look to the Lord in times of, you know, everything's bad. They turn over a new leaf. Even Christians, they turn over a new consecration. But as soon as the trauma or the trial is over, then it's amazing how where before they were desperately just looking to the Lord and trusting in the Lord, it's amazing then they begin to hear those other voices saying, all right, that's over. You can play again. <laughs> you can, you can kind of take it easy again. You don't have to be all that sold out again. And what happens in the long run is why the hurt is only partially healed. It's because as a person begins looking at the Lord, but then they turn their face away and they begin to go back to old habits and old thought patterns and old priorities. And the miracle and the healing and the restoration that God began, he's never able to complete. Not because he is not willing and he is not able, but because those that had that initial encounter and crying out to God are no longer fixing their eyes and giving their all and continuing to disregard and reject all those other calls and all those other temptations. But if we'll fix our eyes on him, then the work he began in the healing process, in the restoration process, in the transformation process, the work he began, he'll complete it if we'll do our part and continue to look and continue to trust and look to no one else but continue to look and obey and walk with God. Can you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Hallelujah. There they are. Two weeks of school down. Man, they're looking good. They're still together. The teachers haven't gone out on strike, I'm telling you. No, they're good kids. Our kids are bringing salt and light to the school. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. If you would, would you turn, please, to Ephesians 6? Ephesians chapter 6, and we want to continue in our Bible study, our sermon series on the gospel armor, the gospel armor. This morning, we want to talk about the shield of faith. Amen. That's one of my favorites, the shield of faith. So have your Bibles. Let's look. Ephesians 6. Let's start reading in verse 10. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, our struggle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, you see. But it's against rulers and authorities and against powers of this dark world. Against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because of that, put on the whole or the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil knocks on your door, you'll be able to stand your ground. And you'll, after you've done everything, you'll be standing. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And then that breastplate of righteousness in its place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And now verse 16, our focus. And above all, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Father, we thank you this morning for the shield of faith. 
Help us to recognize it, but above all, help us to use it for your glory and our victory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. As we continue our sermon series on the gospel's armor, the subject is taking up the shield of faith. Taking up the shield of faith. And we've summed this up in the past few weeks. Jesus has won the victory for us if you're a child of God. But you and I that are believers must enforce his victory by receiving his strength, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, and by standing firm in the equipping and the character that he provides. That's why we've got to put it on. That's why we have to pick it up. Now, this book of Ephesians, we've said before, it's a very positive book. It's uplifting. It's encouraging. It talks so much about the riches we have in Christ. It talks about um, the great salvation that you and I share as believers. It speaks about our calling and the privilege of the redeemed of the Lord. Yet Paul, with all those wonderful things, Paul is reminding the church that such a life cannot be enjoyed without battle, without spiritual battle and warfare. It's required, in fact, it is necessary if you and I are going to keep and advance in the blessing of God. Now this week, highlighting verse 16, I like the way the King James says it, above all, taking the shield of faith where which we can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now this morning, we want to look at three main points about the shield of faith. And I might sprinkle in a couple sub-points for the note takers, but we want to talk about primarily the priority of the shield of faith. The purpose of the shield of faith. And of course, the preservation of the shield of faith. Number one, the priority of faith. You and I as believers, we walk by faith and not by sight. We, we are called to respond and react and answer the attacks and challenges of life by faith, by faith. Again, the Bible tells us we to walk by faith and we fight the good fight of faith. And in fact, the Bible tells us that we please God by faith without Faith is impossible to please God, the Bible says. So, number one, I want you to mark down the priority of faith. Priority of utmost importance. This is not a secondary deal. This is not an optional deal. I want you to see the importance of faith in your life. If you don't learn anything else about God, you better learn about faith, because without it you can't please Him. Amen? Number one, let's give a quick definition of Bible faith. I'm not talking philosophical faith or, or sport faith. I am talking Bible faith. Bible faith. Trust Confidence in God and His Word with the evidence or the expression of obedience and action. Say that again. Trust and confidence in God and in His Word with the evidence, the expression of obedience and action. So we can say it like this. Faith that God approves of, faith that the Bible applauds, Faith is confidence in God that leads to obedience to God. If you don't have those two things, you don't have Bible faith. Demons have one type of faith, but God's people are called to have a faith that not only believes in God, but shows that belief by obeying God and walking with God and serving God. You see, true faith is based on what God says, but it's demonstrated by what we do. Faith is only as good as its object. And the object of our faith is God and what God has said. The God of the Bible, the true and the living God. And what he said to us, 
Faith is only as good as its object. You can believe all you want in something that's not real or something that's not adequate. Sooner or later, it'll be exposed. Faith is only as good as its object. The object of our faith, God, the true and living God, and his word, what he has said. So let's never forget now, faith is a necessity. It's not a luxury in this walk with God. It's not an option. Faith must be a priority. We ask why. Why is faith so important? Why must Bible faith be a priority? Well, look, let's think about it. Number one, without it, we can't get to heaven. How about that? Amen? That makes it pretty important to me. I don't know about you, but so why is faith so important? Because listen, you cannot go to heaven without faith in Jesus Christ. Someone says that's narrow. It's narrow and narrow. Yeah, it might be narrow. One plus one is two. That's narrow. But truth is truth. Jesus Christ, the only way to heaven, only way to salvation. And you get there by faith in him. So someone says, why, why, why a priority of faith? Why all this talk about faith? Well, if you love God, you want to please God. You can't please God without faith. How about that? But secondly, if you want to get to heaven, anybody here want to go to heaven? I want to go to heaven. I mean, I thought about the alternative. I want to go to heaven. All right. All right. The only two choices now. But we're going to go to heaven. So, again, without it, we can't get to heaven. And that makes it pretty important. Faith is the only way to receive God's gift of salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Let's look at this quickly. And I know some of you older saints, we, we've known this since we were four or five years old. It's one of the first verses after John three sixteen. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. This is the foundation of why many of us come out of other religions and other kind of Christianity that teach works and et cetera, et cetera. But here it is. For by grace you have been saved. I'm saved, number one, by God's grace. God didn't need me. God desired me. Send his son to die for me. Amen. I wasn't anything special but God chose to love me with a beautiful thought and by the grace of God he sent his son to die for our sins for by grace you have been saved through what? Through faith. Not through church attendance. Not through because I don't this, that or the other thing but through faith in Christ and this is not of ourselves. Hey man, it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God's grace that I can even believe. It's a gift of God's grace. That I even, the light came on. Can you say amen? But some of you all sat in the same Sunday school class with your, your, your siblings. They heard the same thing, were raised in the same house, but they're still dark. For some reason, the light came on and you it became real to you. For by grace have I been saved. That was God's part. But the faith is my part of believing and responding and coming to him. That's why faith is so important. Because it's through our faith in what God has done through Jesus Christ that I can be saved. And look at that next verse. What is what's verse 9 tell us here? Oh, it's not by works. No one can boast. There's no one that can boast as if I deserved it or somehow I earned it. We're all there by the grace and mercy and the love of God. But I receive that. It does not come automatically. It does not come without you responding to it. It's my faith in Christ. And what he did on that cross that makes salvation possible. Faith is a priority. Because faith is going to take you and I to heaven. Faith is where you and I get salvation. Not faith in faith. Not faith in um, a good church. Even a good church. Not faith in a church. Not faith in my works or my merit. Not even just mental agreement to the right doctrine. You can believe mentally. But have you believed in your heart? And have you lived it out in your life? But the Bible says faith in Jesus. 
and His work on the cross, His finished work. By that, you and I receive forgiveness of our sins. By that, you and I can have that new beginning and that new standing of a son and daughter with God. It's by that you and I are born again, as the phrase goes. By that only. You and I escape the judgment our sins deserve and we make heaven our home and have eternal and abundant life in him. Number one, someone says, why is faith a priority? Why is faith at the utmost importance? Because number one, without it, we can't get to heaven and I want to get to heaven. How about you? Amen. So number one, salvation. But number two, not only salvation, but protection. The priority of faith. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 6. Our faith protects us from the fiery arrows of the adversary. It's faith that deflects them. It's faith that resists them. You know, back, back in those days, they would often dip the arrows in either tar or pitch and then light them up. So when they, the arrow went, fiery darts. And they'd hit and they would, you know, there would go. So again, the shield of faith that Paul is talking about specifically here in this chapter, Ephesians 6, it's not a saving faith, it's a living faith. It's a faith that brings us through and a faith that carries us on. It's a faith that enables us to meet the demands of life and helps us to stand against the challenges and the trials that come our way. Saving faith brought us out. But it's this living faith that brings us in and carries us on from victory to victory and triumph to triumph. You see, faith has to be a priority, friend. Because the arrows, they are flying. Can you say amen? The conflict, it is raging. And there is a way, this is the way that God has instructed you and I to um, respond to these attacks, to exercise our privilege as sons and daughters of God. God has ordained faith. Faith in his word. Faith in his person. Faith in his power. Faith in the great mercy and faithfulness of our God. Faith is the means to overcome in this Christian life and to prevail against the various things the enemy would use to discourage you and distract you and make you just want to give up and throw in the towel. You know, there are some people out there that are Christians. They are Christians, but they're defeated Christians. I'm not saying this to make fun. Let me tie it into last week. Remember last week we talked about the peace. Peace with God, peace of God. Remember that? And one phrase was, there are some people that were able to trust God for their salvation. And they really are saved and have peace with God, but they struggle trusting God with the daily battles and conflicts of life. So they don't always have the peace of God. Though they're saved and their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, yet sometimes throughout this life they give in to fears and angers and etc., etc. Same thing here. Similar thought here. Some have a faith to believe that Christ died for me, rose again, his blood washed me, and I'm a child of God. They have faith to believe for salvation, but they have a hard time using their faith for their living, for their trusting, for their believing. When the enemy is attacking and the arrows are flying and the challenge and the mountain is steep, but we want to use our faith not only to get us into heaven, but to give us victory while we're walking the walk down here on earth. Amen? Let's look at 1 John 5, 4 and 5. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. 1 John, that's little John. That's in the back of the book. Go to Revelation and take a left. 
It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. Anyone here born of God? Anybody at all? You born of God? Well, number one, there's two parts to this one verse. There's two aspects. I want you to get both of them. Number one, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. That is the initial, that is the eternal, that is the forever victory that comes when you receive Christ as your Savior. That's it. You are saved. You are a child of God. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. Can you say amen? Out of darkness, into light, out of the lost, now you're found. Glory be to God. It says, everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's the first aspect. But the second aspect is not only salvation in heaven, it's living out victoriously on earth. This is the victory now that has overcome the world, even our faith. Our faith. Look at that next verse with me, then we'll jump back again to four. But five says, and who is it that overcomes the world? We're talking about that spirit of the world. The world that makes you want to doubt and be discouraged and get angry. And that, 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 the world spirit that is anti-God and anti-the Bible. Who is he or she? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So now going back to verse 4, if you have put your faith in Christ, you are an overcomer. The Bible says that, number one, you have the initial victory by your faith when you turn to God and put your faith in Christ. But then secondly, as you use your faith day by day, trusting God, trusting God's providence, trusting God's good promises, Trusting God's power to keep you and protect you and watch over you. When you use that faith, then continuing day by day, you have a victory. As you walk by faith, trusting God, it was Jesus that tried to get this thought across to the, to the people of his day. When he said, now listen, don't stress and worry about all these things that, that the unbelievers do. You have a heavenly Father that watches over you every day for every need. Even the little things. We would consider little things. But yet God, as he takes care of a sparrow, as he watches over the flower grow, that same great God is your heavenly Father and he watches over you. So don't just stop and say, I'm going to heaven. I use my faith. Use your faith to live this life and to trust God for your needs and to believe that God will bring you through and to trust the Lord that even when some Sometimes we don't understand the whys and how comes. We know our times are watched over by God. We know the arms of God are holding us and keeping us. And that is a faith that overcomes this world. The world that wants you to give up and the world that wants you to get hurting and despairing. Oh no, we won't give in to those lies and said, I'm going to believe God and trust God and I'm going to live this life, even the battles. I'm going to live it as one that knows God and is a son of God. Can you say amen? That's the key here. Our faith gives us, as you and I trust in the Lord, as you and I believe his word and live this life by God's power, not our own. Remember the beginning of the text. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not our strength. It's not even our determination. But it's God's spirit within us helping us and strengthening us each and every day as we reject the the taunts of the world and the seductions of the world. Our faith in God and his word causes you and I that love the Lord to triumph over the trials and the troubles and the temptations that would try to drag us down and keep us in a place of defeat. 
But by my faith and by your faith, we are believing and we are acting. We are trusting and we are obeying. We are responding just like Jesus did when the tempter came against him. Jesus said, it is written. When the enemy tried to tempt him, he said, no, I'm not going to do that because it is written. And he did the other thing. And in the same way, if we want to get victory in the present world, we use our faith by believing God's promise and responding accordingly to his word. So why is it a priority? Faith is a priority because, number one, our salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, our protection comes as we lift up this shield of faith and we choose to believe God's promise and God's faithfulness and God's goodness in our lives and reject the fears and the lies of the enemy as those arrows hurled against us. But also, number three, faith is a priority, but it's not only salvation, not only protection, but the possession of the privileges and the joys of this salvation come to you and I by faith. There are many wonderful benefits and blessings that you and I can enjoy, but we receive them, we appropriate them by faith. You know, you, you can have, uh, you can have a, 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 a parent or you can have someone that's very wealthy and, and very wonderful that, that loves you, but if you don't do your part to ask, you won't receive. If you don't do your part to apply, say, hey, my job, you know what? That benefit comes to my my union. It says it. But if you don't do your part, you can have it, and it does you no good. But faith is one of the ways. See, somehow we get it in our thinking. Once I get saved, all these blessings that belong to the believer that we sing about, that others talk about, are just automatically going to fall into my lap like a ripe cherry falling off a tree. But I want you to know it's by faith that we actually make God's promises our very own. It's by faith that you and I can enjoy the fullness of the salvation that Christ purchased for you and I. Just because he purchased it doesn't mean we'll enjoy it if we don't respond by faith. Let's look at this a little deeper now. By our faith, we receive God's blessings and possess God's promises. Hebrews 4 and 2, it speaks about God's people in the Old Testament. And they had God's word and God's promise, but because they did not embrace it and believe it and respond to it by faith, the Bible says it did them no good or it didn't profit them. It didn't profit them. And then they failed to receive what God desired for them to have. Look at what it says here. For we also, have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. Remember that, that Old Testament group? Remember them? They came out of Egypt, and God says, i got a promised land for you. And I, if you'll believe me, I will bring you into it, and I'll give you victory over all the enemies. Didn't God say that? Amen? And even though they had seen God deliver them out of Egypt, they struggled to believe God could do more than just save them. They struggled to believe that God could give them an inheritance and a blessing and overcome all the enemies that were trying to hinder them from it. They they had believed God enough to get out of Egypt. They had believed enough to obey the word that came through Moses. Get in your house. Put that blood over the doorway. Amen. They believed all that, didn't they? They cleaned out. They got the leaven out of their house. They believed that. They followed. But then somewhere along the road, they had faith for salvation but didn't have faith to possess their full inheritance that God wanted to give them. 
For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard. See, just hearing is not enough. The message they heard was of no value to them. Why? They did not share the faith of those who obeyed. They did not mix it with faith. Hallelujah. We got a new um, system up there. And that's not my NIV. That's not my system. But let me read it to you, the New King James. But the word they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith. Now, the original New American Standard, but the word they heard, they did no good, not, not mixing it or not embracing it by faith. Isn't this interesting? They failed to enter in. Some Christians fail to enjoy the blessings they could have. And instead, that Old Testament group, you remember them, they turned back. Friend, don't turn back. You've come too far to turn back. I know sometimes the enemy would try to challenge you and threaten you and make you feel you can't enjoy the blessing and you'll never get victory in that area. Or maybe somehow that promise is just too much. Listen, the devil is a liar. God's word is yes and amen. But you've got to believe that word. I believe it in my heart, but then I have to act it out in my life. I believe it in my heart, but then I've got to respond to it properly and obediently because faith without works is... You know it, it's dead. And God says, I don't approve of that. That's not how you receive. You have to believe it, but then you have to do something about it. And as you respond to it, then you release the working of God's power in, in your life. But here we have it. It's so important to know what God said and to apply it to our lives. How can I believe what belongs to me if I never read the contract? How can I know and believe what I can lay claim to if I don't know it's been promised to me. I mean, if you come into a contract with someone, you're going to read that contract, amen? If you're going to take a job, you're going to read the benefits of that job, are you not? You're going to know what belongs to you. And then when you need it, you're going to lay claim to it and say, hey, I didn't need it before, but I need it now, amen? I want it, it's there. But if you don't know it's there, you can have the possibility and the potential and many, many blessings just waste away. So number one, I need to know what I got, Amen? But then, it's not enough just to know it. Faith lays claim to it. Faith believes it, and faith responds accordingly to it. I say that to say there's different ways faith responds. It could be simply by giving as God obeys. It could be simply as turning off certain things as God leads me to do that. There's different ways. It might be forgiving so I can receive healing. It might be so much um, believing a certain promise even though it's contrary to what everyone is saying, but in stepping out and believing, God honors that, and God works in a wild, supernatural way that he wouldn't have worked otherwise. So I have to believe it and respond to it. If we are to fully enjoy this great salvation, and like you've heard the phrase, he don't have any grandkids. God wants everyone to enjoy the riches of his salvation. He doesn't play favorites. Listen, God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principles. And those that obey his principles can walk in his blessing. Those that refuse to let certain things go, they keep themselves from the blessing of God. Those who refuse to really believe what the word of God says and act accordingly, they, they hinder themselves. They distance themselves from the blessing of God. So if we are to fully enjoy this great salvation and all the various promises that God would love for you to have, 
then we must receive them and respond and believe the good word of God. We act upon the word and then we believe God to do what he said he would do. For instance, we all know it starts with salvation. That's why you're here. Because you believed. You heard the gospel. You believed the gospel. You responded to the gospel. You heard the precious words that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him you don't have to perish, but you can have eternal and everlasting life. You heard that good news. Your heart believed that good news, and you responded to that good news. You put your faith in Christ. You gave your heart to Jesus, and from that moment you did, you knew your sins were forgiven, and you knew your name was secure in heaven, as God has promised that. But don't stop there. Now, use your faith for something more than just that. You need something more in the here and now. Do you know there's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know there's a promise of a greater measure of spiritual power to live this life. You can have it if you want it. You've got to know it's in the book, but then you've got to respond and you'll receive and God will bless you. Think about the various blessings that God has. You know, you can have peace that passes understanding. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to plead for it. If you are a child of God, Jesus died on a cross and he sent his Holy Spirit to live within your heart. And by that spirit, you can have a peace that passes understanding in a very unsettling world, in a very chaotic, at time, pressure-filled world. You can have peace that is supernatural if you'll believe God's word and respond to God's promise. You know that there is provision that you and I can have. For the Bible says he supplies all of our needs. The Bible says that the Lord is our shepherd. We don't have to want. If you're a child of God, don't be stressed out about the bills being paid. Don't be stressed out about needs being met. But no, you have a heavenly father. But no, you have a wonderful shepherd and his name is Jesus. And he'll care for you. And he'll make way for you if you look to him if you'll trust in him. Again, there's many, many privileges and blessings that are included in this great salvation, but they won't automatically jump on me. I've got to know what I have and then believe God and respond properly to God. And when I do that, God is faithful to do his part and to bring his promise to pass. Can you say amen? You know, there's that great promise of wisdom. In a very confused age, you don't have to be confused. In an age where left is right and up is down, people are all confused. I mean, the news media is confused. The politicians are confused. I mean, I don't want to go down that road. They're so confused, they don't know a girl from a guy. I'm just saying it's a confusing age, and I'm trying to tell someone you can walk in the wisdom of God. The Bible promises wisdom to the child of God. But if you want that wisdom, you've got to ask God for it, and you've got to go to the book and seek it out. Amen? And you can have the mind of God. You can have that. We, it don't matter of the world can be confused but you and I that know the Lord we don't have to be confused we can walk according to the light of God's word and to the light of God's presence it's a promise you and I can have oh friends how about healing you know healing still the children's bread how many know healing still belongs today it did not go out with the apostles you can be healed today 
I know there's a time for us to die. It's appointed for a man one time to die and then a judgment. We know there comes a time when our time is up. But until then, enjoy the Father's bread. Enjoy the blessing that belongs to you. When your time comes, that's one thing. Then go sing in the praises of the goodness and mercy of God. But if your time hasn't come, then seek the shield of faith up. Believe the promise of God and live out your life. Can you say? Amen. When your time comes, go ahead and thank the Lord for a good life. Thank the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. But don't go until it's your time, folks. You know, the Bible promises us rest. Have you ever seen an age that's more restless? But Jesus said, come unto me, all you that are weary and leery and heavy and hurting, and I will give you You can have that rest. Oh, what a promise we have. You can cast your cares and suck care for you. You know, you can have victory over sin. The Bible says that sin doesn't have to have dominion over us. That sin doesn't have to control us. But we can live in the spirit and overcome ungodly habits and addictions and so forth. See, these are all wonderful promises. Why is faith so important? Well, number one, faith has to be a priority. Faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Word of God, a priority of the utmost importance. Number one, without it, we don't go to heaven. Salvation is determined by your willingness to believe what God did on that cross through Jesus Christ. But secondly, it's not only salvation, it's protection. That's what Paul's talking about, and we've got to expand on that later. But it's like a shield. Paul says, imagine that big Roman shield. And I would protect him and guard him from those arrows that were flying and trying to consume him. In the same way, that shield will protect you from the arrows that will try to discourage you and condemn you and afflict you. But also, faith is one of the ways that you and I enjoy the fullness of this salvation. You're a child of God. Enjoy the blessings of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? Forget not all his benefits. Don't forget them, enjoy them. Respond to them. Faith is a priority. So let's guard our faith. And let's feed our faith. And please, let's let's exercise and use our faith. It's very important that you guard your faith. Do you remember the words that Jesus spoke to Peter the night he was betrayed? And Jesus said, Peter, Satan has asked if he can sift you as wheat. But Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. You see, Jesus knew you can lose a lot of things, but if you lose your faith, you lost everything. (laughs) You, You can lose a lot of things in this world, but don't lose your faith. You can lose possessions and you can lose positions. You can even lose some people, friends along the way. But don't lose your faith in Christ. So guard your faith. Guard your faith. And feed your faith. You ever hear that saying, you are what you eat? A lot of mullets around here, isn't there? Amen. <laughs> A lot of fish fries in this place. But anyhow, you are what you eat. And it's time to put the spiritual junk food aside and start feeding on the word of God, in the pure things of the spirit. The Bible says in Romans 10 that faith cometh by hearing 
and hearing by Fox News. No. By Sports Center. No. Hearing by the Word of God. Don't, you don't want to have an undernourished faith. I mean, faith is what's going to keep them arrows from attacking you. Faith is going to keep that depression from overwhelming you. Faith is going to protect you from those arrows that are trying to drag you down. So you better guard it. You better feed it. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Get out of the spiritual junk food. Feed your faith. (laughs) And exercise your faith. See, real faith like a muscle is made to grow. It's made to work. It's made to be active. What's the saying? Use it or? Yeah. That's kind of how faith is. But you know what? If you use what you got, you'll increase what you have. Faith can grow. And if you use the faith you have, listen, don't ever waste a trial. Don't waste a trial. Number one, only a fool wants to have to go through it again. Amen. But within every trial is an opportunity to grow in faith, to grow in Christ-likeness. With every trial, there's an opportunity to die so there's more of the old me, and trust me, there's enough of him that needs to be dead. But there's also the opportunity to improve my trust in God or to purify my, my commitment to God or my faith in believing the word of God. The purpose of the shield of faith. The priority, now the purpose. The priority, now the purpose. The purpose of faith. Now Paul writes that the shield of faith will protect you and I from the arrows of the enemy when it's used. He says, pick up the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. Paul says, taking up the shield. There's a difference between having the shield and taking up the shield. How many know that? You can have faith and not Use it. Kid ran out to ball practice. Coach says, get out center field. He starts halfway out there. Coach, I forgot my glove. <laughs> Where's your glove? You know, it's back home in the closet. Yeah, well, I'm not doing you here. You got one, but you don't have it. You have it, but you don't. Yeah. You know, back back north, back home, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. And there, years ago, I might still be there. there there's a certain place in Niagara Falls where you get so close to the falls, they've got a rope up so the boats can't go any further. It's like the point of no return. So they do have a rope there. So any you know people that aren't thinking with their boats, they'll make sure they turn around well before that. But you get beyond that, and it's very dangerous you know, to just go over. But there's a sign. There used to be a sign. And it simply says, do you have an anchor? But then there's one more line. Do you know how to use it? You can have an anchor, but if you don't know how to use it, once you get to those rapids, once you get to that point. So it's not enough that I have faith. And if I'm a believer, I have faith. But I've got to learn how to use my faith and exercise my faith. But there's power in your faith and your ability and willingness to believe and trust God, to stand on the word of God, to act in accordance as a Christian, you have faith. Had that faith to get saved. You got faith. So you got it. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is the author and the finisher of our. Yeah. 
The Bible says he has given to each one of us a measure of faith. A measure of faith. You see, after the priority, don't forget there should be a progression of faith. As this faith grows, because we have faith, we have a measure. So because you do have faith, you can, you can respond to the storms and challenges of life with confidence in the word of God, with confidence in this great God. You can put on the armor of God. You don't have to just be a punching bag for the enemy. You can choose to say, wait, I'm going to go and see what is written, and I'm going to believe what God has said, and I'm going to believe that, and I'm going to act according to that. And when you do that, attacks will be overcome. Um, your life will be protected. And you shall prevail because you're releasing the working of God's power in your life. It's like some of those miracles that Jesus performed. It wasn't enough just that he spoke. That person had to respond. It wasn't just that he said, stretch out the hand. They had to do their part to stretch out the hand. It wasn't just that he said, get out of the boat and, and walk or cast the net. They actually had to hear the word. They believed it, but that wasn't enough. Amen. He had to throw that net out if he's going to get a net breaking blessing. Isn't that right? So again, our faith, I'm hearing it. I'm believing it. But now I'm responding to it. And as I respond to it, I release the power of God to work in my life. Jesus made a promise. He never lies. He can't lie. He's got all power in heaven and earth. Amen. So when he says, cast the net to the other side. They believe it. They obey it. Because they obeyed it, they received the blessing of it. But say they didn't do it. Then even though Jesus said it, no power would be released. No miracle would come. So it's not enough just hearing in somehow intellectually believing, I have to respond. I have to do. And as I do, God's power is released in my life. The purpose of the shield of faith. You know, the shield that the Roman soldier carried was kind of a, it was like a half a door. Half a door is about two foot by four foot. And it was um, made of wood but covered with a lot of layers of tough leather. Tough, dried leather. And now remember... To protect us, we need a working faith, not a parade faith. Amen? Not a parade faith. What do you mean parade faith? Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But there are two kinds of shields primarily that the Roman soldier had. And one was a small round shield, kind of like a Frisbee-looking thing. Maybe the top of a garbage can, you know, one of those things, all right? But usually they were not really meant for battle. They were meant for show. Sometimes for in fighting, but normally if you looked in a museum or you would look um, on a picture thing of a museum, you would see these shields. But they were really actually very pretty. They had engravings and markings, artist renderings of battles on them. But they were not intended for battle. They were intended for show. It was a Sunday-only faith. It was a decorative piece of equipment used for public ceremonies. It was good for looking, but not so much for battling and for living. But I want you to know this morning that God calls His people to get rid of the parade shield and take up your battle shield. Get your children behind the battle shield. Get, get, get your marriage behind the battle shield. 
Get that calling from God and that divine dream behind the battle shield and press on trusting the Lord and believing his promise and advancing against the odds and advancing against the naysayers and advancing against the arrows of the evil one that would try to condemn and convince you that God is not able. I want you to know God is able to make himself real to you. God is able to meet you right where you at and take you to where you desire to go. God is able to heal that brokenness within your heart that you don't tell anyone about. God is able to give you peace even if right now you're going through a storm and it feels like you're going down for the last time. You are not alone. This great God is close to you. He loves you. He's with you. And the shield of faith believes my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My Jesus is my shepherd. My Jesus is my refuge and he is my strength. And whatever you are facing, you can trust this morning in the goodness of God in the land of the living. Oh, I thank God for heaven one day, but I need God this day. I thank the Lord that one glad morning, but right now I'm living in this one ugly morning. Can you say amen? And I want you to know that your faith will work in the here and now. Not faith in this, that, or the other thing, but faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the living God. Faith in His Word and His good promises to you. Can you say amen? So God says, put away, put away, put away that parade shield. Pick up a battle shield. Use it not for show, but use it to go with the name of the Lord. And take ground for Jesus and reclaim ground that the enemy has tried to take from you. Use it to possess God's promises. Use it to do God's work. Use it to prevail over the enemy of your soul that would try to make you believe that God doesn't even exist. Use it to do your part to touch lives for Jesus. The purpose of the shield of faith to put out all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you shall have trouble. Man, he hit it there, didn't he? Man, I'm telling you, there's one promise, man. You don't have to take that on my faith. You can see that one. Isn't that right? Don't need no faith with that one, brother. Amen? When Jesus said, in this world, you shall have problems, man, he was speaking truth. No? Y'all doing all right? All right. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. But as sure as those arrows are flying, your shield of faith is able to quench them and to put them out and give you the victory. You can't stop the arrows from flying any more than you can stop Florida from being humid. Man, it just ain't going to happen in this side of eternity. Can you say amen? But you can do something about it. I heard that old illustration one time. You know, you, you, you know, can't stop the rain from falling, but you can put up the umbrella of grace and walk and walk and walk. And isn't that right? You can't just stop life because it's raining. you got to get the umbrella out and let that grace cover you. You just can't stop life because things are tough and things are unfair. Welcome to the human condition. We're all part of it until God calls us home. So there's no sense in being defeated by it except the reality of living in a fallen world. But get excited about the fact that God has not left us alone. God has not left us unprepared, ill-equipped, or unable to meet the demands of life. And like we say it, meet it, greet it, and defeat Feed it. How? By faith. What is faith? Trusting God and I'm trusting his word. I'm believing and I'm obeying it. I'm believing and I'm practicing it. That's faith. 
And as I do that, God honors that. As I do that, I release the working of God in that. Now this old nature will fight me. Faith is of the Spirit. Faith's not of that old nature. Oh, that old nature don't want me to forgive anybody. Wants me to get you back. Oh, no. He don't want to trust. He wants to finagle. But faith says, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to trust God. He'll be my defender, and he'll be my provider, and he'll be my promoter. Isn't that right? I don't got to do it the sneaky way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My promotion comes from the Lord. Amen? So I'm going to trust God and do things God's way. Mm. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Faith. Faith. The shield of faith. It'll work if you work it. Amen? I said it'll work if you work it. Let's have faith. Remember we said earlier that faith is only as good as its object. And the object of our faith is God. Faith only, you can believe all you want that what you're drinking is water. It could be something, you know, you, you, faith is only as good as its object. Let's have faith, number one, in God's person. How about that? Let's have faith in God's person. We believe not only that God exists, but that he is our heavenly father who is intimately involved in our lives. We believe that he is the true and living God, the almighty God who cares for us and provides for us and protects us, who sent his one and only son to die for us. The Lord Jesus, he's a living savior. He's a living Lord. He's a living shepherd. He's a living friend. Jesus is alive and our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, not a philosophy, not a mystery, not a ritual, not a memory, but in the living Christ that we can talk to and commune with, that we can draw near to. We have a personal relationship with the living God. We believe that our God is alive and well, and we have a relationship with Him. We can talk with Him, and He talks to our hearts. And our God is a way maker. And our God is a mountain mover. And our God is a burden bearer. Our God is a refuge. And our God is a strength. And our God is our rewarder. And our God is the one that goes with us every hour of every day. Our God. He knows the way that we take. And he's there to help us. And he's there to enable us. And he's there to keep us through every storm and trial. A philosophy can't do that. A ritual can't do that. A statue cannot do that. But oh, a living God, a risen Savior, he can do that. Our faith is not just in faith. Our faith is not just in something obscure. Our faith is in the reality. This God is real. The true and living God. And we know him and we love him. We walk with him. Can I tell you something else? He's a big God. Can I, he's not a small, he's a big God. Let your faith rest and he's a big God. When you're trusting in man, you've got to adjust that faith. This man isn't so big, but God's a big God. Remind me of that story. Remember that old businessman? He was going to go on a trip and he thought, he was going to a smaller town, but it was one of those quaint towns, a lot of... Um, um, what, what, what are those old things you buy and spend a lot of money for you don't need? Antiques, that's it. Um, um, he had a lot of those antique stores and those Victorian homes. And he thought his wife would really like it. So he said, honey, why don't you come with me on this business trip? She said, I'd love to. Until she found out he's flying one of them twin engine Cessna deals. You know what I mean? 
She said, oh, I, 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 now I'm not going to fly that little bitty thing. Don't, I, 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 I decided not to go. She says, oh, honey, what's the matter with you? She goes, I don't want to fly in that plane. He says, your faith is too small. You know what she said? Uh-uh, your plane is too small. <laughs> well, he really wanted her to go, so he changed plans, and they took a big airline and went, went a different route there. You see, her, her faith grew when the plane grew. The size of her faith grew when the size of the plane grew. Wasn't that true? I want someone to know you got a big God. Amen. Sometimes you can't trust men like you want to trust men. They're not that big, but this God's a big God. Can you say amen? So you can trust him. You can trust God. I know you can't trust the government. Only a fool would do that. I know you can't trust people, but people, even good people, are just people. But you can trust the Lord. You can trust his word. He's big. He's bountiful. He's wonderful. You can trust in the Lord with all your heart. You don't got to lean on all this understanding of men, but an all your ways if you'll acknowledge him he'll direct your path and he'll meet your needs and he'll bring you safely through every step of the journey can you give me an amen Amen. i'm gonna have faith in the person of god i'm gonna have faith in the promises of god we've touched on this but we serve a god that speaks and has spoken and the word of god is for you and the word of god contains for you Promises and directions and encouragements. Answers for every problem we face. The arrows of the world and of life can scream one thing. But that shield of faith rises up and says, I believe God. I know what God has said. And I will act accordingly. We have faith in the person of God, not religion. We have a personal relationship with the risen Savior. And he's great and mighty. And we have faith in the promises that this God has spoken. The word of man is just that. Trust but verify. But man, you can trust God and just step out on that water. This God is able. Let's have faith in God's providence. Providence is an interesting word, pro-video, to see before. Pro-video providence. And in biblical terms, it's not just the ability of God to watch us as a spectator and observer. He not only sees before, he goes before and he works before. The providence of God, faith in God's providence is like a general comfort and confidence the believer has. That though we cannot explain all the things that hit us in this life, in all the things that we will go to heaven one day with a whole lot of things we never did understand. That's reality. But faith in God's providence gives me a a consistent comfort that I know my times are in his hands. And my God is watching over me every moment of every day. It's faith in God's providence that can cause you and I to declare confidently, I know in whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to that day. It's that faith in God's providence that is able to have you and I, when we can't understand why, and we don't know how come, 
and it seems like God is a bit silent and certainly our understanding is so limited, but yet we, we can still look and we can still cry out that we know, nevertheless, we know that all things will work together for good for them that love God, for those that are called according to his purpose. Anyone here love God? Anyone you know you're called according to his purpose? Then you can know all things will work. You might not understand them, but you can trust them. And that brings a great peace and a great comfort to our hearts as we walk. That's your shield of faith. I'm not going to backslide over the mystery. I'm not going to become like that old rascal I used to be because of a, a mystery. But I'll trust God in the mysteries. Oh, my. Oh, my. The priority of faith, the purpose of faith. We close with this: the perseverance, the perseverance, the preservation of the shield of faith. That Roman soldier would oil that shield continually. You ever remember when you bought a brand new baseball glove? You'd have to put that oil on that glove and break it in and break it in that hard leather, make it soft. Remember, it's a hard shield, and you'd have to oil that thing. You know, you have to um, pour in the oil, rub it in, and he would keep that leather flexible and he'd, every day, every layer, he wants it ready for battle. Fresh oil was applied so the shield wouldn't get dry. He didn't want to get brittle and crack in the day of battle, in the heat of battle. And we need to oil our faith each and every day. Oil that preserves the shield and causes it to function properly and affect deflect those arrows easily. It's like the difference between dealing with a, a dull instrument and a sharp instrument. There's a whole difference, isn't there? Yeah. And we need fresh anointings in our lives to keep our faith fresh and firm. And it's almost, there's the word I was thinking of. It's almost like having spiritual reflexes. When I stay fresh with God, my spiritual reflexes are fresh. But when I don't, I'm kind of dull to respond properly. I'm dull to respond quickly and firmly as I ought. We need frequent anointings. We need to be a double portion, people. You know, dry people, <laughs> when we get dry, we get easily offended, don't we? Easily wounded, easily defeated, easily brought to quitting. Arrows get through. Those arrows that bring doubt, condemnation, that stir up our anger. Temptation, deception. Preserve your faith and keep it strong. Stay filled with the word, with prayer, with praise, with good gospel music. Pray in the spirit. This inner man, he believes God. Amen? Stay around other faithful believers that can encourage one another in the Lord. Go into God's house like you're doing today. You're oiling your faith. You're strengthening your faith for another week and another day. Pour it on and rub it in. Because my friend, if you'll take care of your faith, your faith will take care of you. Close this down. And begin to pray. The shield of faith. Paul says, above all, pick up the shield of faith. Don't keep it in the closet. Amen. Don't leave home without it. Pick up the shield of faith. And with that shield called faith, you and I can quench or put out all the fiery arrows of the evil one. 
The enemy will throw arrows our way to get us to doubt God, deny God, go back to the old us. But when they come, if you lift up the shield of faith, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to respond appropriately. I'm going to believe God and I'm going to obey God. And if we'll pick that up, that faith will defend us and defend our family. Priority of faith. Want to get to heaven, I've got to put my faith in Christ. I want to overcome the challenge of this life. I've got to use my faith against those arrows. If I want to enjoy the blessings that God wants me to have, why live like a pauper when you can live like a king? Amen? Then I want to believe God's promises. I want to find out what's in there and use my faith to make it part of my reality. So there's the priority of faith. Amen? Last preservation. Let me throw one more action we close. You know, the um, participation of faith. You know, the way the shield was made for the Roman soldier was that it worked best when it was connected with someone next to it. You ever watch those old movies when they were doing those arrow barrages right at the enemy and they, like 500 arrows, flaming arrows, and what would they all do? They'd all shrink down behind their shields, but their shields would interlock with one another. You know, faith gets a greater strength and tenacity and endurance when we join our faith together. That's why we pray one for another, isn't it? That's why we encourage one another, isn't it? That's why we meet together. Because faith has a greater effectiveness. I'm able to lock arms with someone else and come into agreement as we pray together and stand on God's word together. Yeah, participation of faith. I'm going to pray as we pray very easily. How's your shield? How's your faith? If you're here today and either you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation, take this opportunity and do so. Use the faith to believe he died for you. He rose again. And that if you put your trust in him, he'll forgive you and he'll receive you and you serve him. Maybe you're here today and you are a believer, but if you're honest, you could say, you know, my shield's a little dry. It needs some fresh oil. I haven't been feeding on the word like I want to. I haven't been maybe, I've allowed some things in and it's really kind of the spiritual reflexes and sensitivities have kind of got a little callous and a little slow. Maybe you need just a fresh filling. Maybe just a fresh, well, listen. As we sing our last song and I pray the final prayer, if you would like to come and pray and have someone pray with you, please do. If you would just like to come and just wait on God and say, Lord, give me a fresh filling for a fresh week and help me to remember to use my faith. We all have faith. Let's make it up. We're going to start using our faith. Amen? All right, stand with me, please. Let's pray. Stand with me.